This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to another episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. I almost introduced you to the Coruscant Radio Underground, but that would have been wrong. It's so, true. Uh, no, it's the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. And we're going to, this week, we're going to continue. We've got stuff from Comic-Con, or Comic-Con at home. Right. Because um, apparently that's the way we do cons now, and I, I'm a little Ooh. sad about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Comic-Con at home. We're going to talk about some of the news that's come out, mostly that came out at Comic-Con at home. And then, of course, um, next week, or this is our month, you'll listen to this episode Monday. On Thursday, you'll catch our remainder of our Pillars of pillars of Fantasy conversation yes. for the novels category or literature category, I guess is what we've kind of altered that to. Yeah. And then tonight, I guess tonight we're actually going to get back into some X-Files. We haven't done any X-Files in a while, yeah. but we've, we've got an X-Files episode tonight. We finally finished Star Trek, so now we have to, uh, we've got to do get back to something else. Uh, I think we are going to, we're going to kind of sum up our, our thoughts on Star Trek, right? Isn't that the other? Yeah, we're going to kind of talk. Uh, um, although did David, did you prepare for that? Uh, I did prepare for it, but I also sort of thought of it as, you know, we don't have to go through it like, um, like we would like the pillars of fantasy. It can be a bit more casual than that, but I did prepare yeah. my personal ranking of all the Star Trek movies. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cause we finally, finally finished the Star Trek watch through. It took mm-hmm. us a what long there, like, time. 13 movies? Um, Way more than I realized is how many there are. I see 12. Mm. Mm. Am I missing something? One, two, Beyond three, is not four, on that list. Ah, uh, yeah, 13. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, Beyond wasn't on this list. He was looking at yes, thirteen. Mm-hmm. See, David didn't even he just knew it. He's better prepared than <laughs> some just, of I us. <laughs> you just felt it. Well, you felt it through the force. All right. So first, I guess we're going to kick this off by kind of um, talking. I, I don't want to do. Last week we did our. Uh, what have you been watching? And it ended up being almost the whole episode. Yeah. Uh, but has anybody watched anything new this week? I have not, but I'll tell you what I'm getting ready to watch, which is Ghostbusters, both one and two. And I'm going to watch the 2016 one uh, just to finally see it. So fun story uh, on the 2016. So, um, my brother-in-law, um, mm-hmm. like, bought several movies, you know, to put on our voodoo. 
And whenever that one showed up, I got a phone call from him explaining that that one he had sent on accident because he would never actually get that movie on purpose. It came free with something else, and he couldn't get that other thing without getting that one, too. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I. that's how I feel. Yeah, that, that never give that movie money. I was gonna try to probably watch it illegally. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you can watch it on our um on our Voodoo subscription, Voodoo? which Perfect. is only you know only mm-hmm. kind of murky. <laughs> Definitely not illegal. Perfect. Just sort of you know, <laughs> just kind of murky. Yeah, but it works. Morally ambiguous. <laughs> Um, Marisha, what about you? Have you watched anything? I, I don't know of anything. I you've mean, really we been... we finally finished. Um, That's the big one. Is that we finished? Um, Brave New World. Bra- yep. Yep. And it was, it it was really good. I, it continued as it started. It's really, it's really, yeah. Start it, start to finish. It's one of the best things I've watched in a very long time. It really is. It. Um. I was. You know, Brave New World is one of those that you always hear referenced, but you always hear the concepts and never the story. Like, I could have told you about Alphas and Epsilons and Soma, but I couldn't have told you the name of one single character um, in the in the book. I, I never actually read it. I just, you know, like I said, had always kind of heard it referenced. Um, so I could give you some, some kind of, world details about it, but I couldn't have told you anything about any of the people, but they did an excellent job of making the world relevant because of how it affects the people, not just sort of let's explore this world. And, you know, these people happen to be the mechanism, but here are these people and um, the world they live in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really excellent. That's really cool. Definitely I do worth- want to check it out, yeah. but every time I watch a YouTube video and I get another ad for it, and the, the first thing I hear is um, Loki saying, everyone's happy here. I just can't. <laughs> it, it just makes me annoy. I'm like, I can't. I just keep hearing it over and over that it's making me not like the show, <laughs> which is totally unfair. Everybody but happy I, now. I keep seeing the commercial yeah. so much, and it's unskippable. It's unskippable. Yes. Um, so... Oh, that's that's my problem with it. They really want so you I to watch the it. show. You hate the show Before because of the tagline, which is supposed to be kind of creepy. That's kind of the idea. It's just the way he says it, the <laughs> way it's like it's just over and over again. I guess that's the point. Yes, everyone's happy here. Subliminal mm, something about it's getting me. Uh huh. What what do they call that? Subliminal. The, um, not advertising messaging. messaging. Yes, yeah, subliminal. Sublimin- Oh my god. I know it. Somebody else say it. Subliminal messaging. Yes, that's the one. Usually I'm horrible at saying. <laughs> it's like I couldn't that's see it. Myself. I couldn't get it out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I just picked up uh, we finished the first season and I read a I read a Brave New World a long time ago, like in high school, and I I kind of remember it, but I'm pretty fuzzy on the details. But I picked up a copy of it that I'm going to read that has a, a second. There's actually a second book that Huxley wrote called uh, A Brave New World Revisited, mm-hmm. which really is not a continuation of the story as much as it is him 
his writings on the thing like subliminal messaging and controlling people by with medication and and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never read that. So I'm actually really excited. I'll probably am actually going to read that part first and then reread Brave reread the story. Yeah. But um, they kind of pulled in some elements in the show that weren't really in the original story. Yep. Um, and I, I, you know, like I said, it, Definitely, um, spoiler alert, there's not really much of a sequel um, material in in the ending of the novel, but they definitely left it a lot more open-ended for the show, which is good because I'd love, I'd love to see a second season and see where they go with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's cool. But I think that's, I mean, we really we haven't been watching much TV up here. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I watched the last season of Poldark, but that's not relevant to this show. Of <laughs> <laughs> <A> what? <laughs> Poldark um, is uh, it's a British period drama oh. slash soap <laughs> opera. <laughs> it's one of my guilty oh. pleasures in life, but. No, that's okay. The costumes are so pretty and Aiden Turner. Uh-huh. Uh, I watch a lot of uh, Master Chef this week, so yes. that's, that's what's going. On. Yeah, I've I have I've almost finished it. I made it past the first ending to Futurama uh, from the first time it was canceled, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm just about through the first uh, Comedy Central season. So okay. I'm I actually am almost done with Futurama. But I have been completely slammed with work, so I haven't watched a lot of new stuff. I've just really been binging the Futurama while I work. I tried. There's a couple of new interesting-looking fantasy shows that have and movies that have popped up on Netflix here mm-hmm. uh, the last week or so. But I I tried to start one of them, but realized that I couldn't follow it and work. Yeah, that's the problem with with stuff like that sometimes. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to, to watch and also do other things. It seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like I'm always doing something other things while I'm watching TV. This week, I was rearranging my living room because I had to put stuff in my closet. So I pulled everything out and then put it back and then realized it didn't work. And so I pulled it all out again. And so that, you know, <laughs> the joys of being an adult. <laughs> all right. So... Since that sounds like the end of what we've been watching, um, the big thing this past week was we had Comic-Con at home, which for now, that's the future of of cons is, is what we can do at home. In fact, we're coming up in about a month from Dragon Con at home, and uh, I don't know what all they're going to be able to pull off. I know they've been asking for a lot of video submissions for a lot of the contests that they usually have. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Brit track has asked for video submissions for their silly walk contest. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot the of ministry of silly walks, right? The, the ministry of silly walks. Yeah. And so <laughs> they're, um, so they've got that, <laughs> Have you ever seen that Monty Python skit? I, I have seen it. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, so yeah, the the Brit track at Dragon Con has a silly walk contest every year. I did not know that. That's awesome. Um, so so we've got got that coming. I've seen them asking for a bunch of other stuff. Some, um, I think they basically asked people to send in videos of 
them and their of people with superhero cosplays of just like what the what their people like their character is doing in quarantine. <laughs> so I'm sure there'll That's be funny. some. Oh, some, there's gonna be some epic stuff on that. And it, uh, Dragon Con at home or whatever they're calling it, um, is virtual Dragon Con is gonna be free. So yeah. Um, if you've if always you, wanted to go. If, if you've always wanted to go and hadn't made it, it won't quite be Dragon Con, but I'm sure it'll still be very much worth watching. I'm not going to lie. Like they, so when you're like sitting waiting for a panel to start, they have like this random stuff that they well, just Dragon, put up on the screen. Well, it's Dragon, Dragon Con, Con TV. TV. And they like, it's just the most off the wall and random nerd stuff. And uh, that's one of the f- really fun things about Dragon Con is just like, okay, what's going to be on Dragon Con TV mm-hmm. at this panel? You know, mm-hmm. you know, rules about how to stand in lines and, you know, you're not, don't go to the front. You know, just all kinds of real tongue in cheek. Uh, somebody has way too much fun writing all of that. So I guess we'll get to still see lots of Dragon Con TV mm-hmm. happening. So that'll be fun. Kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about was with all this stuff going on, like, Obviously, these big cons, it, it may knock them back. I mean, it may set them back a, a decade or so as far as how big they are when, they, when they're when they able to pick back up and start yeah. going again. It's, it's going to hurt them all. But um, one of the things we hadn't really talked about was how this is going to long-term affect the big cons. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, the small cons. And, and yeah. by extension, you kind of wonder what kind of effect this will have on fandom in general. Yeah. Although fandom has outlets they can go online, you know, but it'll be interesting to see just how this affects fandom overall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are some of these small conventions, you know, we, we usually attend a wizard world con mm-hmm. in new Orleans and in January, you know, the thing about that one is, Wizard World is not your small con, but it's definitely not your big con. It's your mid-size it's, con. It's the mid-size con. It's not it's, New York, and it's probably or San Diego. The, it's probably one of the more powerful of the mid-size conventions because they have so probably many. twenty of them every year. They had already cut back a whole bunch of like Wizard World has had has been having. Some trouble, they some were, financial troubles they were already. already having financial issues to the point where it actually was hurting. New Orleans was one of the few cons that was making money. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they were taking the excess that New Orleans was making and putting it into the others that weren't working, which was hurting right. New Orleans. It was keeping the New Orleans con from being better. One of the first, was it, was it the first year we went, or I guess it was the second year, right, David, that they had the huge Marvel panel? For uh, It was the second, it must have been the second year we went where they had the huge Marvel panel. Right, the, for... Because like, there was like a three-year streak of just like huge stuff. They had yeah. Stan Lee the first year. Right. The right, second we, year was a huge Marvel panel. Yeah. Um, And then after that, there was like, it, that's when it started to really just kind of die down a lot mm-hmm. right and that's really one of the things quickly. is i had seen the reports the financial stuff and and they only had i think at the time they had like 12 or 13 conventions and only like three of them were making money the rest were losing money mm-hmm. um, and instead of improving the ones that were doing good and making money and leaning into those 
they used those to prop up the ones that were doing bad and continue to expand into more cities. Right. And so you kind of wonder, like, even big, you know, relatively good-sized conventions like Wizard World, they may not, I mean, they're certainly going to have to take some cities off their list. Mm -hmm. But then you look at these smaller cons that do Mississippi Comic Con, Louisiana Comic Con, Alabama Comic Con. That's all one company that does those. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I... I don't know. I have a hard time imagining those companies surviving this. Unless, if they miss one year, they can probably pull it out. If they still next year can't hold their conventions, you know. Yeah, what happens? It's a for-profit company that can't hold its events. Yeah. You know, it, it's. What happens? What is what is it going to look like if all of the conventions that are run by for-profit corporations go bankrupt? Well, what I, I would imagine happening is, um, like right now, we're having all these at home cons because we can't have the cons in person. Mm-hmm. By like next year, they're still not able to run cons. They would just continue to do these at home cons, and then once once they would technically be allowed to run a con, but they don't have the money to do it, mm-hmm. I could see them just continuing to do more at home cons and really pushing that, and and that almost becoming like the norm yeah, is um, kind of like magazines. There's definitely, definitely going to be more at home internet centric stuff for every con now mm-hmm. without a doubt. Like I think every single con is now going to like, it's going to be a, a industry standard to have a live stream that is accessible with like maybe some exclusive stuff you can check out and, mm-hmm. and, and um, buying merchandise, like all that stuff. It's, it's going to be, the norm yeah. it's going to be essential. Well, kind of the way I think about it is, you know, like, like during this, I mean, there are a lot of business, a lot of restaurants that are going to go out that are going under and not just like mom and pop places, but like chains that are, are going under over this. And in fact, there are mm-hmm. entire chains that have gone bankrupt because of this. Um, now those chains were, were failing anyway, but, on the backside, when things do come back to normal, because eventually they're going to come back to normal, there's going to be room for all these new exciting things to jump into the market. Mm-hmm. And I think that you may see mm-hmm. a big revitalization of your your local cons. I mean, Dragon Con is the biggest one. It's the biggest fan convention in the world. It's a it's a charity. It's run as a charity. All the money goes to whatever charity they choose every year. It's all run by volunteers. CypherCon in Lake Charles is a fan convention. CoastCon in Biloxi is a fan convention. And I think there's going to be, because the thing is, I what I believe about it I and mean, about fandom in general is that if they lose their cons, they'll do it themselves. Yeah. Um, if, the, if the companies are no longer providing then something will step in and take its place. It may be more companies, but I I hope to see a revitalization and and some growth in the fan conventions because you can go mm-hmm. to you can go to San Diego Comic Con and I you know, and it's one of those things that probably should be on every nerd's bucket list to go do once. But the big conventions are very different than a fan convention. Even the atmosphere of a corporate event like Wizard World compared to 
a fan run thing like Dragon Con. Dragon fan run things are like big family reunions with mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people. Right. And your your more corporate cons aren't like that. And yeah, maybe we can have one. We need a we need to do like a like a mini version of Dragon Con here in Natchez, right? Yeah. At our our, our giant convention center. Uh, yeah, I mean, have to, could, definitely have to be small. Well, you just put your vendors in there, and everybody else can just party in the street. That's true. I'm sure that'd be a big hit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, having lived here for a while, it's not any weirder than the people coming in to see, every, you know, all the women in their mm -hmm. hoop skirts and, you know, in their antique furniture. It's 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 not like it's oh, no, not Natchez would be than... a wonderful place for a fan. <laughs> Natchez would be a great place for a fan con. Yeah, it's just uh, finding space. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but back to Comic Con at home, there was a lot of really cool stuff that came out in some of those panels. They you know they still managed to throw some pretty good stuff at us. What were some of y'all's favorite things, uh, David? What was kind of some of your favorite things you saw over the weekend? Uh, some stuff that really stood out to me that's come out of uh, the at-home Comic-Con. Um, I actually think this came out uh, sort of before we even filmed our last episode, but the new Mutants footage Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that, that they kind of they showed off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm personally not a fan of it. It stood out in a bad way to me is what I'm getting at. <laughs> not really a fan of it. Um, I was already very unexcited for this movie, and now I'm even more unexcited for this movie. Uh, I'm sure our other host who isn't with us tonight, Daniel, will see the footage and love it. But, Probably. Um, He's much I'm more excited about the prospect of this movie than anyone yeah. else that I know. Daniel did pose a question yeah. that I feel like I can answer definitively now. As to whether or not new mutants could be worked into the MCU, and the answer is no, absolutely not. Yeah, that is not I the agree. way. That is not the way they're going to introduce mutants into the MCU. <laughs> Nor should they. <laughs> um, it's very horror. Hundred percent. Like it's it's a really dark very what? horror looking. It's like it's a really mm -hmm. dark kind Which of. Cool. Which is, I mean, it's Which is I mean, fine. we're going to do that with the next Doctor Strange, you know, with the Doctor Strange movie is going to be horror, but it's, it's just yeah. different. It just, there's visually, it doesn't mesh, but I, I'm just, mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I'll, I'll watch it when it comes out, but I, I'm really now, conf after seeing that, I'm really confused as to why Disney hasn't just gone video on demand with it. Mm-hmm. I I, I was reading that um, there are actually some contractual issues with going VOD on it. Basically, there are contractual issues when they go to make a movie. It's like, and it will run for X number of days in a theater. Right. Um, although I expect that those clauses will be um, subject to some things after this. What do y'all think? <laughs> Well, you know, we're already yeah, seeing some true. changes being made with um, AMC and Universal. Yep. Um, where you saw Univer AMC say, we're not showing Universal movies anymore. And now they've kind of gotten back together and they're ha kind of working things out to kind of get through this whole thing with the pandemic. It's and no time for people to be 
posturing. No, it's not the time to take your ball and go home. No, uh, it, it's it's really not. Um, you know, AMC. It's 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 all these things. It's AMC needs movies. It's it's kind of like the same thing with the comic books and the comic shops. Is AMC needs movies. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. movies the, need you, AMC. You need the studios to survive this too, so they yeah. can continue making movies. Right. So at, at some point, you have to say, you know, you have to. The studios are going to have to say, look, obviously, we're not going to be able to put that many people in the theaters, but Universal still needs to make money with their movie. Right. Or you know, Disney still needs to make money with their movie, so let's work mm-hmm. something else out. For the release. And I kind of think they've done that with the uh, Bill and Ted movie is going to be a simultaneous theater mm-hmm. and VOD release. Yeah. Which, Wait. I mean, I think is a great idea. I mean, that way, the, because, I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm not going to a theater right now. I love going to theater. I will go watch yeah. pretty much anything in a theater mm-hmm. because I just love watching things in, in, in mm-hmm. that setting. But not um, in the world we have five grandparents in their 80s that live within... 30 miles of us and that we see multiple times a week. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. And, and and I think a lot of people are the same way. You've got some people already that are like, I'm just going to watch it when it comes out on video. They, they just don't go to theaters anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, put for now, throw both out there. And the people that are comfortable sitting in a theater can go sit in a theater. And the people that aren't can sit at home and yeah. watch it. And... That's I think right now. If that's you're a the, big enough fan of Bill and Ted, then yeah, you know, and I think sorry. it's it's going to be interesting. I think you cut out there. I'm sorry, David. What were you saying? If you're a big enough fan of Bill and Ted, what? Oh no, that was it. If you're a big enough okay. fan of Bill and Ted, I stopped because I, I was interrupting Andrew. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. It'll be interesting though. I think to see because. I think a lot of people who aren't particularly attached to the theater experience just don't see new movies. Um, like Andrew's brother was, I mean, said like, it's been, you know, like three years since I've been in a movie theater. Um, and a lot of people, especially younger people, I notice have kind of just, they just don't go to movie theaters. It's too expensive. It's too I don't know. You have to like have a time, uh, you know, that you're committed to it. You can't just watch. I'm not sure exactly what all the reasons are, but I kind of wonder if they may actually, if they, whenever they can get it back up to where they can fill out a theater. I think that people who were going to go to the theater to see the movie are still going to go to the theater and see the movie. So I really think that they may actually come out better doing movies on demand because I think that more people will actually opt to sit on their sofas and watch it. People who wouldn't bother to go buy a ticket and drive to a theater. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It's one of those things I think you don't, you can't really know until you try it. Um, so this is, I guess, uh, really the perfect opportunity to see how it goes. I mean, um, yeah, the, the industries are, constantly evolving especially like artist industries and stuff like that and they have to be constantly evolving and, mm-hmm. and um and pushing forward and this is just a catalyst to do it the i've said it before that what's happening now probably would have happened within the next like 15 years it's just yep. being yeah 
really, um, really fast forward. Well, and, and I, I think um, that I also always say that when it comes to art and stuff like this, um, being desperate breeds creativity. That's it true. It breeds creative ways of solving the problems and creating mm-hmm. new solutions and experiences and things like that, like at home Comic Con. And yeah. um, I think that's probably what's going to happen here. Is at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I hope it turns out overall better for the industry as a whole in some way yes yeah that's all i can really hope well for. you know it, it's one of those things where technology is always pushing us forward and something like this like you know the at working from home thing has been that's been a growing trend for for a number of years now but this accelerated it mm-hmm. and so in like movies going straight to vod has kind of been something that we've kind of been on the edge of, like you were talking about, and this accelerated it. Yep. And, you know, there's a good chance that we come out the other side of this with a lot of cool, you know, with it. Things like this have never really hit society at any age, at, at any point in time, and not had a positive effect on the end. Yeah. It's just getting there. That's right. The- the terrible part. It's <laughs> so no living living through it is what sucks. Right. But humanity generally comes out better on the other side. Yep. If we don't all kill each other Ooh. about who we're voting for in November. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm about to just mute the entire world on Facebook. Um, what else did you did you see that you liked um, <laughs> as far as Comic Con at home? Well, it stood out to me in a good way. <laughs> yes. Uh, was what did the, you uh, announcement and the trailer? Huh? I was I was just laughing at what stood out in a good way. Oh yeah, what stood out in a yeah. good way to me was the announcement and the trailer for uh, Batman: Death and the Family, the new animated movie by DC. Uh, DC has always made great animated films, and Batman: Death and the Family is a classic, essential Batman story. I don't know what you guys know about it, but it was written by Jim Starlin, the guy who invented Thanos. Fun fact. Okay. Um, back in like the eighties, it was the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin Red Hood. Okay. Uh, this is the this is the one where he died, and it's really funny and ironic how this is going to work out. So, some context. Uh, whenever this book was being written, they left like they they had um, Joker beat Jason Todd near death with a crowbar which is like well first of all oh my god yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> comic that's that's pretty that's pretty, that, that was a big stepping stone in uh-huh. comic books moving away from um kid friendliness follow, like or having to follow moms of america and stuff like that uh-huh. uh rules so yeah because it's a kid getting beat to death with a crowbar and at the end of the book they said hey We'll let you vote. Should Jason Todd live or die? Because a lot of people hated Jason Todd. Oh wow! And um, and they let him vote. So it was interactive, right? Huh. Uh, and it was voted that they're going to kill Jason Todd. Now it's come to find out what happened is there was this one guy who used a bot to keep calling the number. And pretty pretty much single handedly got Jason Todd killed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, by using like a phone bot to call the no- to call the number for killing him over and over again. Wow! Um, so Jason Todd died. 
this new movie is going to be an interactive movie hmm. where you can make choices. And one of those big wow. choices is going to be, I, I think, I think it's going to be like, I don't know exactly um, how it's going to work. Cause they have, you know, that's obviously going to be, they don't want to spoil that, but pretty much you're going to be able to influence whether or not Jason Todd survives or not. Wow. So it's almost like it's, it's, it's an interactive movie. Right. And that's it's interesting, interesting because you had like, the was that Bandersnatch that movie that was interactive mm-hmm. on Netflix, right? Um, but that was very much a movie. This is because it's animated. It's almost feeling like a video game. It's almost huh. moving into that yeah. territory, mm-hmm. almost like the you know, the Walking Dead video games, the Telltale games, uh-huh. where it's like you don't really do. You just kind of walk around and make choices. You don't. You're not really playing a game. It's almost kind of feeling like that. We're just going to be making choices and selecting things. It's kind of like a video game, but it is going to be an animated movie. Wow, that's really so that. That's really interesting. What? Is it going to be on what what uh, platform? Um, I believe it is going to be on um, DC Universe. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. That's, uh, that's the name of the app, right? I, I think so. That that sounds right. Um, yeah. I, it those kinds of things always make me think of. Okay, so did anybody else read like choose your own adventure books as a kid? Yeah, like you know to turn right, mm-hmm. turn to page thirty two. To turn left, turn to page forty three. And so then you and then you got mm-hmm. to just pick from there. And that's um, I feel like um, technology has gotten to the place where they can do that with stories on a much bigger level. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. I agree. It's been, there's been a lot of examples of that movement in that, and I love those kind of stories. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Things have moved, moved towards that and in a lot of ways. I love those kind of books. I used to read them all the time. Mm-hmm. That's why I love RPG video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I like playing games like that, like just point-and-click adventure games and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so this is really exciting for me. I hope they don't screw it up because I love the DC animated stuff. The last one, the, well, one of the more recent ones they made was uh, The Killing Joke. They, they um, adapted that to an animated movie, and they just completely soiled the entire thing. Oh, because no. I don't know if y'all know about that, but um, they shoehorned in a Batman and Batgirl relationship. Oh, no. Which is really gross and weird. The daughter of, like, his friend. Oh. And also... The ex-girlfriend of his surrogate son. Oh, God. So, and also 19... And also. Really, really (laughs) weird. Oh, geez. I love how it's like, and also, it's like, oh, you got to stop. It just gets worse and worse. Yeah, there's Hmm. more things making it weird. So that sucked. Mm Because I remember actually being, it was at WizCon whenever Bruce Tim was there. And they had just announced it. They were they had just announced they were making a killing joke. And everyone was so excited. I was at his panel. And everyone was asking so many questions about it. And he just refused to say anything about it. And I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was so excited for that. They ruined it. So hopefully they don't screw it up. This one up. The next big story, Batman story they're adapting. But it sounds really cool. I mean, I'm really, really excited for that. Um, part of me kind of just would like to see a movie about the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm going to think it's really cool, but then kind of be like, man, that's cool. Wish I could have just seen an animated movie 
about yeah. this really good story, you know. But um, I wonder if it, there it will turns out to be. Go ahead. Hopefully, it turns out to be. No, I, oh, I said I hope it turns out to be good. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if at some point they might decide, you know, to release like a direct, you know, like a theatrical version, like they do sometimes, you know, actually release a. And here's the official story, or something. Yeah, canon. Yeah, yeah here's here here's the canon good, version. So. Um, it seems like that would be a good way to to approach that. You know, be like, okay, so here, you know, kind of like a video game. Like, okay, so you know, you play all this, but here's your canon ending, so that we can have a sequel, because you know you have to end in a certain place right, for there to be a exactly. sequel. Um. Yeah, they're like, oh crap, we gotta make another one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, but what does redeem it for? It, if this was any other story, I'd think it's really weird. But with the context of what actually happened in real life with that guy, yeah, like the, the whole idea that it was interactive, the story itself was interactive. Like it was voted on by fans. Yeah, for Jason Todd to die. With that context, it makes this a really inspired idea. I think. Yep. I think you're right. I think somebody had an idea. Somebody creative had a really good idea. Like, Hey, let's, let's do the next Mm -hmm. thing here. And, you know, like you said, um, desperation is, is the, uh, the mother of invention, right? (laughs) Okay. It's not exactly Exactly. the same, but that's a basic idea. He just wants to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What does he have to say about, uh, choose your own adventure, Batman movies? (laughs) The, now the thing I'm a little surprised that DC showed anything at Comic Con with their own event, uh, DC Fandom mm-hmm. coming up real quick. Uh, honestly, me too. And it's because they've been teasing a few different things. They've been teasing like upcoming stuff about different books and maybe an Injustice video game. But that's all being safe for Fandom. But then huh. you got this coming out. Yeah. And. Um, well, it, and I don't know if this was actually announced, now that I think about it, I don't know if this was announced at Comic-Con, but it was announced, like, at the same time as all of the other Comic-Con stuff, right. so it kind of all jumbles into this one big news, you know? So, but even still, it, it's surprising they announced it now, and not at DC Fandom coming up. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know... But they hopefully that just... means there's going to be even bigger stuff there. Yeah, and and that's probably the thing. This was probably they went. We want to have something at Comic Con, so you know what's you know pull something and send it over there. But it'll be interesting to see what they do have at Fandom. But I also kind of wonder what those sorts of things with so many of these groups starting to have their own. It's like streaming events. services. Yeah, it was like suddenly everybody's going to have their own event, and you kind of wonder what is that going to do to San Diego Comic Con? In and Disney and DC, be, it honestly could be good for San Diego Comic Con, which has moved further and further away from being a con about the fans, and rather a pop culture con about just everything that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So it might mean that the con becomes more like. Like Dragon Con, where it becomes more about the fans, mm-hmm. which Instead I, of the I news. mean might be a good thing, but I I do wonder like if if all these because um, you could say the same thing about E three with this year they did E three online, but I mean 
Xbox, Microsoft held on to everything. They didn't show anything mm-hmm. at E3. They held it all for their own launch event. Yep. So what does that do to all of these venues who have made bank on advertise, basically being a big advertisement for other people's products for a lot of years? Yeah. It may be, may be going to change. Uh, well, they have to be creative and, yep. uh, you know, uh, being, they have to come up with something new. And, um, just like we've been talking about this whole podcast where it's like, hopefully San Diego is going to be like, Oh man, what do we do? We got to be creative and come up with something that's really great and new and innovative and makes it must see again. Cause I'll tell you I, for a long time, I was like, and whenever it was San Diego Comic Con time, I was glued to my phone mm-hmm. trying to follow what was going to happen. And now I could care less because there's not going to be nothing big. I'm I'm excited for for Disney's event. You know, that's right. what I'm looking forward to. So yep. already, it's it's it used to be must see, and now it's oh I'll read about it tomorrow on Twitter. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. You're right. So it'll be interesting. You know, to see what adjustments they make, you know, cause pop culture. I mean, that's, that's the epitome of you have to keep up. Right. So mm-hmm. Marisha, did you see anything at Comic-Con that you were excited about? Okay. So I have a really out of character, um, selection for this, but I think of all the trailers and everything I saw, the thing that I am most intrigued by is the Bill and Ted trailer. It looks like so much fun. <laughs> it really does. Uh, I'm excited about that one. And as we already mentioned, they are going to do a VOD release uh, simultaneous with the theater release. But, uh, you know, the whole thing was it, it kind of is following in the tracks of a lot of movies and a lot of things from the 90s, 80s and 90s that are like, you know, kind of trying to come back and do a sequel. And a lot of them have just really missed the mark. Mm-hmm. But this one, at least from what I've seen so far, it just seems like, um, it just seems like Winter and Reeves just stepped right back into those roles, and which is so funny because I mean Keanu Reeves has like become like Mister Action here in the past few years. Right. I mean he's like done all these like you know super you know like you you kill my dog now I kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, characters and like to see him back to being, you know, the stoner with the, the band mm-hmm. that never actually took off is is pretty great. One of my favorite things about this past, uh, it was a wild decade we just went through, right? But the best thing about it was uh, Keanu Reeves' reinvention, How? the Reeves reinvent- reinvention, yeah. you, know, you, could, you, could, you could say. Yeah. And I and I love that he's, you know, going back and doing this. I think it's going to be something that's really awesome, really exciting. It was the perfect time to do it, mm-hmm. which is so strange because usually you would say, like, oh, they're too old now. But no, the fact that Keanu has completely revitalized his career mm-hmm. um, In his makes 40s. it the, the perfect time to do it. Yeah. And, uh, right, and they're probably going to get a lot of people who have never seen those original movies. Exactly. They're going to be watching this one. Yeah. And um, we're all grateful to the powers that be for, and maybe to Keanu Reeves for himself, for never, ever casting him in another Shakespeare movie <laughs> after Much Ado About Nothing, where he was literally the worst thing about that entire movie. 
if anyone's keeping track. I haven't seen that. You have not. Oh, you have to see much you do about nothing. Like, do, how do you feel about Shakespeare in general? Do you kind of like Shakespeare comedy? I've read a lot of Shakespeare. Okay, um, you have to because watch. Because of school and then because of my own. Yeah, you have to watch 1993, Overall. Much Ado About Nothing, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson and oh, Denzel Washington as as the prince. Okay. Yeah, it's it's great. That's, over okay. It's got a really good okay, cast overall. Well. It's just that uh, Keanu Reeves is really out of place in it. Yeah, he like. Uh-oh. But the best thing possibly about that entire movie is Beetlejuice as um <laughs> as the oh geez what's his name the little busybody guy who uses the wrong words Dogberry Dogberry yes um, Michael Keaton as Dogberry is pretty darn epic so yes you need to go back and watch it and just acknowledge that it is Keanu Reeves' worst performance <laughs> ever probably but the rest of the movie's great. <laughs> I will do that, and we'll review it on the show. Perfect. That's our, big, that's our next big topic. <laughs> next big topic. Shakespeare adaptions from the 90s. So there were a few things from Comic-Con that kind of stood out to me as things I'm kind of excited about. I, one, I, you know, we don't have HBO. I don't keep up really with what's on, on HBO, and I had not heard of his Dark Materials. I didn't know there was a season one, but the trailer for season two looks pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to cause me to go look a little more into that. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about, it, it's it was the first thing. It was one of the smallest things that got dropped at, at Comic-Con, but uh, Truth Seekers mm-hmm. with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. And we talked a little about that last week, but I, I'm just really, really excited to see those two back together on screen. You know, we got a... We had a new trailer for the boys, which was, you know, it didn't tell us anything, and it was pretty typical for a trailer for that show. Yeah. Like, oh, did they just do that? <laughs> they did just do that. Um, <laughs> did you watch the boys? I have not seen the boys out of a, a like, a, a protest. <laughs> of course. Of, I'm not going to watch... This, 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 what, what's deconstruction of the superhero genre? Because I don't. Here's the thing: I read the book. Okay. Well, I read like the first like quarter of the book. Okay. And I hated the book. Uh It is one of I'm, a lot of people love that book, but I hate that book and everything it means. So, and even though I've heard the show is good, and people who also hate the book are saying. No, the show's a lot better than the book. You got to watch the show. Just out of pure spite and um, <laughs> irrational hatred, I am not going to watch that show. Okay, then. I'll probably end up watching the show. <laughs> um, but yes, the, uh, I, just I enjoyed. I, I'm unfamiliar with the book, but the I enjoyed the first season. I'm looking forward to the second one. I mean, it's one that you can like only enjoy so much because it is. Awfully it's violent, brutal. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. It's yeah, a, some what, of the, it's um, a little gory. Garth Ennis is all about one of the reasons I hate. It. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, should I watch X Men? I mean, the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far that that question. one was. Watch that? The Did you not Academy? watch it? Okay, so we're kind of coming up on the hour mark. We got a little bit of time left, David. One thing I saw that you had on the list that you might want to talk about for a minute. 
it's one that I really don't know hardly anything about, but I noticed you mentioned the Watchmen sequel. Yeah. Um, so this was for me really exciting. If you haven't read Watchmen, this is my time to tell you you need to read something. I always feel like I'm the one getting told, Oh, you gotta read this classic, but I'm telling <laughs> y'all, you gotta read Watchmen. It's not just one of like the best comic books of all time. It's 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 a to me it is a central modern literature reading. Um it, well it's a little outdated now because it has to do with the Cold War, but you know. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of things, I guess, actually, that we talk about on this show, huh? Yeah. Um, but Watchmen is a is a wonderful book. One of the best, like, stories I've ever read. This is how you do a deconstruction of superheroes, <laughs> speaking of the boys. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure y'all have seen the movie, right? I have not. I have. Or no? I, I've seen the movie. You have? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Rorschach, obviously, is one of the most interesting characters. Um, hard to grasp like really know like what to think about him. He's very, one of the most interesting characters that I've ever read in a comic book, hard to relate to, don't know what to think about him. Like really great. And, um, of course he dies at the end of the book and the movie. And, oh, um, gee, thanks for so this is a sequel watch. that is called, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm sure the movie's at least but, 10 years old. So, you know, well, yeah, no, it's Yeah. Um, the book came out like 30 years ago. Okay, um, well. <laughs> so it, the sequel's called Rorschach. It's about him. And it's being written by Tom King, which is super interesting because Tom King is a really hit or miss writer. He wrote The the Vision, which is pretty much what the Scarlet Witch show is going to be. Um, he wrote Vision. Super loved. Um, tons of awards. But then he wrote Batman for a while that everybody hated <laughs> a lot. Well, at least most people did. Yeah. I did. So he's really up and down, hit or miss. But I think he's a really good writer. And he's going to write it. It takes thirty. It takes place 35 years from the end of Watchmen. And it's a new Rorschach kind of taking up the mantle. And it sounds kind of like the TV show. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be in the same canon as that TV show that was made recently. That is also a sequel to Watchmen. Ah, uh, um, okay. That involves people using the Rorschach mantle as a way to do stuff. So it's but it's so it's kind of like the same. It seems like kind of the same idea, at least from what we know about it right now. Kind of the same idea, but being done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd I, I'd like to see something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But what makes this interesting to me? What makes this interesting to me is actually the the idea that there really probably shouldn't be a sequel to Watchmen. I thought about this before, and it's something interesting that I even wanted to bring up about like Star Trek is. Is it okay? Like, what franchise? Actually, it's a topic I think I wrote in our like random topic poll. Pool is like, is there a franchise that you just want to say, like, okay, stop mining, you hit oil, like you're, you don't have to keep going. Yeah. Because um, so often we see franchises get driven into the ground, you know. Absolutely. Um, so, and Watchmen being like one of these like huge essential pieces of modern literature, especially for graphic novels. It's like, to me as a fan, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to read the book because I want to know what it is, but right. I really don't want to see a sequel. I don't want to see a prequel. It's perfect. It's perfect. It is what it is. It's at its point. It told its story and it ended. Kind of like the conversation we've had about Firefly. It's like, do you really want to see them do something else with those characters and risk, you know, making it less 
compelling exactly. or, you know, mm-hmm. sullying it in some way. Yeah, right. exactly. And and you risk because I promise you Alan Moore has nothing to do with this book coming out and he wrote the original. Because mm-hmm. Alan Moore is probably like in a magic cave somewhere, like praying to black candles or something. He's like a <laughs> wizard or something. He has nothing to do with this book. So like Yeah. Is is there any integrity that's gonna come out of this? Also it's Tom King, which is like he probably is gonna write something about I don't know, some kind of like really macabre and like crazy thing. Like, I don't, um, something that's just really not going to fit what I think mm-hmm. this should be. Um, cause I think Tom King's gonna, he, he likes to do, I'm trying to think of the, cause I have a really inappropriate saying to compare his writing to. So I'm not going to say it. So I'm thinking of a clean one. Um, he likes to really put himself into all of these books mm. and, it really gets in the way sometimes to yeah. me. And so I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I'm kind of bothered by it. I don't want to see more Watchmen. I think it's perfect as it is and leave it alone. Cause it, it, to me, it hurts the original work whenever you put all this garbage on it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it's something as big as Watchmen and as like important and as iconic. Yeah. So, but that, but that's happening. Uh, Rorschach, a sequel, which also probably means we're going to get a lot more Watchmen stuff. And um, hopefully some of it's at least good. That's what you but always hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of, and you're, you're right to compare it to Star Trek. It's like, we're getting some, you know, I enjoyed, I, I love the, the three Kelvin timeline movies. Um, mm-hmm. However, I think this, like letting Kurtzman, turning Kurtzman loose, at, you know, with Star Trek has been a, a massive mistake. Discovery is just abysmally bad. It's not, it, it's such a departure <laughs> from Star Trek. It, I mean, it, it does things like changes the story of people like Spock. We didn't need that. Mm-hmm. We didn't need his background. We didn't need somebody else in there that, oh, he's the, he is this character. He is who he is because this new character, the way that they affected him. It's, we didn't need that. Yeah. Spock is one of the best characters in science fiction. We, we didn't need to alter Spock's story. And, and you take, you know, even Picard, which by the end I ended up liking Picard okay, but it's kind of saved by putting uh, Brent Spiner and uh, putting all those people and, and, uh, pa- and, and Patrick Stewart. And yeah. most of all, I mean, if you don't have it, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner on screen together save that show. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things you look at it and go, we didn't really need more Picard necessarily. You really almost screwed it up. I, there are some things I don't love about it. There's some things that I, I really, it, the last three episodes really salvage it. And overall, when I go back and look at it, and now that we've watched through all the Star Trek movies, I would say that, what do we have? Four next generation movies. It's better than three of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. so by that token, it's okay. But I, I'm looking at some of this new stuff coming down the pipe from Star Trek with, with Kurtzman at the head. And, you know, all I can ever think, because everybody's like, well, Kurtzman made the, you know, made those movies, made the movies you like, the Kelvin Timeline movies. It's like, no, nah, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> it's like, yeah. let's, yeah. let's, <laughs> Kurtzman rode J.J. Abrams coattails. Yeah. Oh, on those. And oh, the first two anyway. And well, also, yeah, but then the third there. one, you still brought in a successful director and you let Simon Pegg write it. Yeah. 
So, but I would say that the success, what built the franchise was J.J. Abrams and Kurtzman rode his coattails. And now mm-hmm. Kurtzman is like, it's like he thinks he's making superhero movies for the C or shows for the CW and he's got Star Trek and he's just throwing every crazy idea he can think of against the wall. And see what sticks. And it just, some of the stuff coming down the pipe just looks really bad. They just announced another, didn't they just announce a, another Star Trek kids show? Wasn't that I see that on well, the Well, they notes? had already announced a kids show, but they finally, I think they gave us a title. I don't recall what it is. It's yeah. on the list. I, I wrote that wrong in the news. Yeah, it's the same, but they finally gave you a title. Okay. It's called oh. Prodigy. Prodigy, okay. And look, I, I hope that it's really good. Please tell me it's going to be about Wesley Crusher. <laughs> that would be great. That it's got to be right. It's got to be a Wesley Crusher and um, Will like, Wheaton. Do y'all like Wesley? I don't have strong feelings about him one way or the other, but I just think it would be hilarious if Will Wheaton came back and voiced Wesley Crusher for this series, just because I think it would be. What funny. if it's like he's an, he's the narrator? Yes, like like Young Sheldon. It's like um, yeah, exactly, yeah, or like all those shows where it's like he's talking about like. He's narrating his whole life as an older man, but it's like a kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This that's, is that's what it. I need. Okay, <laughs> y'all. Like, I was. See, you're already making stuff better than uh, Alex Kurtzman. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you just did that off the cuff. But it's like the only thing I can think of with Kurtzman and them making him kind of letting, letting him run Star Trek on TV is that you, you snubbed. Seth MacFarlane, so that you could go get Kurtzman. Right. And Seth MacFarlane is making the show that is the closest thing to a spiritual heir to Gene Roddenberry's vision that we've had on TV since 2001, when when Deep Space Nine ended. You have seen the Orville, right, David? I have not seen it, but I've heard you guys talk about it. I heard a lot of people talk about it and everyone seems to pretty much agree with what you just said. It is the closest thing to the next generation that's been made since. It's a little more... And I did see it on Hulu and I did add it to my list literally today. I do want to check it out. And it, you know, sometimes the humor is a little... uh, It's uh, But not any cruder than the humor was in Picard occasionally. Well, it's actually... I would say that it's less crude than Picard. Um, Really? In some ways, it's, it's... Seth MacFarlane really reined it in. He Because Seth MacFarlane really wanted to make a A Star Star Trek Trek show. That, I mean, that was what he wanted really? to do. And he wanted to make a real... And he pitched one to CBS, and they said no. So he said, fine. I'll and take so, my ball and go so he to went Fox. Back, he went back to Fox <laughs> and said, hey, I want to make this show. And they... Uh, it's going to be Star Trek, but we're going to call it something different. And so, because it's not Star Trek, it's because it's completely his, he was able to integrate some of his a little bit, you know, off-color humor into it. But it, it never gets... It's they not like rip. it's not like Family Guy. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. really reined in, mm-hmm. and most of the weirdest lines come from a uh, Norm Macdonald's character, the Blob yeah. alien. Yeah, he he's kind of he's a little bit of a dirty old man. But <laughs> <laughs> but there are some really really great episodes of that show that that stack up real well to Next Generation episodes. Yeah, and true. and they've built some really interesting characters. The ship looks incredible. The, the uniforms, like, 
you know, Star Trek quit caring about the uniforms for a while there, and these looked great. <laughs> yep. That was one of the things I appreciated about the new movies was that they the they took the uniforms seriously. Yep. Um, and they actually yeah. wore the same uniforms for two whole movies before they changed them. So good job. But anyway, I guess before we take off here for the night, we can uh, really enrage everyone and just throw out our rankings for. Uh, we kind of we finished watching the Star Trek movies, and now we want to let everybody give us their their ranking. And mine, I, I'm I'm happy with mine. It could move around a little bit, but I'm the top is pretty much what I would say is the top, and the bottom is pretty much what I would say is the bottom. Mm-hmm. Even though they could move around a little mm-hmm. bit on each side. Um, but uh, who wants to do their list first? I mean, just going to kind of run down them. I don't think we need to spend. We've we've talked at length about these shows, so. Yeah. Well, why don't we let David go first? Okay. All right, yeah. So, um, of course, this whole thing started with me trying to watch all this stuff for the first time. We finally watched all of them. And this is including the Kelvin Timeline movies. So it's all 13 Star Trek movies. And one day if they make more, we'll add more. But uh, I'll just run off the list. I'll start from bottom to top. Uh, at number 13, I got Nemesis. 12, Insurrection. 11, Search for Spock. 10, Final Frontier, 9, Generations, 8, Into Darkness, 7, Star Trek Beyond, 6, Star Trek 2009, uh, 5, Undiscovered Country, 4, The Motion Picture, 3, The Voyage Home, 2, The Wrath of Khan, and 1, First Contact. Number 1 and number 2 are the ones that I've flipped around over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me... I had to go with First Contact because I, I I feel like... I think Wrath of Khan is a better movie. Ra- the Wrath of Khan is a perfect film. Yeah. It's a perfect movie. But the First Contact really works for me in a lot of... And a lot of the same ways that Wrath of Khan works for me. Um, but I just enjoy it more mm-hmm. personally. I like... Because I, I like the characters involved in it. I love Picard. I love Data. I love Riker. Um, I love the Borg. I, I love Picard's character arc in that movie. I love the action. I love the way it looks. I, I love the humor. Um, so it just, it just personally ekes out ever so slightly above the Wrath of Khan for me. But no fault to the Wrath of Khan. I mean, the Wrath of Khan is is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, one of the best villains. Um some of the best acting in, in all of the Star Trek movies, best character writing. Um, it's, it's a, it's an incredible movie. And then, yeah, everything else, like, and like you, I think I agree with you where the bottom ones are kind of like, that's the bottom top is the top. Nemesis right. just doesn't work for me really on any level. Right. Like nothing about Nemesis worked for me at all. Insurrection is good, but it's just, you know, boring. Um, yeah. And that's the thing I actually, kind of like other than nemesis i think all 12 of these movies are good movies yeah for the most part right i mean i don't have anything really for nemesis or insurrection as a whole i i just they're they're movies that i really wouldn't care if i ever saw them again Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know which one i like less um but 
Yeah, I mean, that your list is a little different than mine, but I'm... Which one is a Space Whales one? Space Whales, uh, Journey Home. Or I mean, it's Voyage Home. I, I always want to call it Journey three. Home, and I don't know why. I, I, I feel like I do, too. But no, it's the Voyage Home, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. So, um, looks like Marisha's still trying to flesh her list out. So, I'll, I'll, I'll give mine real quick, and I'll do the same. I'll start at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So, starting at the bottom, I've got Insurrection, Nemesis, Generations... The Search for Spock, Final Frontier, Undiscovered Country, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Voyage Home at 6, Into Darkness, First Contact, Star Trek 2009, Beyond, and Wrath of Khan. Wow. You had Beyond at number two. Yeah. I, I yeah, really put, I really like Beyond. You put the three Kelvin movies above a, a lot. We have a very different list, it looks like. I just I think what works for me so well is that with the Kelvin movies is that they work so well together. That's true. It is a complete trilogy. I, I feel like if I were to if I watch the first one, I'm gonna want to watch the second one right away, and then the third, right, and then feel satisfied by the end of it. Yeah, the ones that I put at the bottom are the ones that are just boring to me. Like yeah. Nemesis, then Insurrection, Search for Spock, and Final Frontier, and Generations. Yeah. And then above that is really great stuff. Generations, Final Frontier, Search for Spock, they're all good movies. That's the I thing. I enjoy different things Go, about them. Going, going from the top down on my list, I like them all except for uh, Nemesis and Insurrection. Yeah, exactly. I like them all and I'd watch them all. They're just really boring. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like not in like a Star Trek like way. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a Star Trek boring but it's not uh-huh. really boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there's just boring. All right. So I st- I'm still missing one, but I can't figure out which one. So I, cause I started at the bottom and I started from the top and then I was like, I'm missing one, but I can't find it. So yeah. I don't have a number nine on my list. So when I get done, y'all can tell me what it, what, what my middle movie is. All right. So at the bottom is insurrection mm-hmm. because why it just wasn't very good mm-hmm. as previously mentioned. 12 would be Generations, because I just really wanted to be sad when when Kirk died, and I wasn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, 11 is Nemesis. 10 is Search for Spock. Uh, 9, I don't remember, because I'm missing one. Uh, 8 is Undiscovered Country. 7 is The Motion Picture. Uh, 6, Voyage Home. 5, Star Trek Beyond. 4, Into Darkness. Three, Wrath of Khan, two, First Contact, and one is Star Trek 2009. You're missing Final Frontier. Yeah, Final Frontier. Final Frontier. Which I don't blame you. Which one is that? The movie has one good scene. That's the one where they find a space god. Yeah. Spock's oh. half-brother turns up. Oh, he's yeah, kinda, that's kinda like, weird. yeah, that that's pretty close to the bottom. It wasn't, it was yeah. just more that weird was, than anything else. Yeah. I actually hate that movie, except for... The, the space god scene itself is really redeeming to me because it's so funny when McCoy goes, uh, question, <laughs> why would a god need a spaceship? Uh-huh. That's, that's just because of that. Yeah. I put it above all the other ones. Yep. Other than that, that I can't stand that movie. Yeah, no, it just, it's not the best. So anyway, we've got, I think we've all got pretty different lists and um, I'm clearly You're, the biggest fan of the Kelvin among the the uh, yeah the crew. They our lists are pretty different order wise, but our bottom and top halves yeah are, are pretty, pretty si- similar. Yeah, 
we had more Kelvin yeah, stuff at the top uh, than David did, but we all agree about the bottom movies. The the top, the, yeah, like the bottom three or four, like we're all pretty much on <laughs> on board there. Because because Daniel's missing tonight, I'll go ahead and give you all his list. Um, whichever ones are the oldest are at the top, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the other ones are at the bottom. <laughs> but he 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 has mentioned that he has a real affinity for the original trilogy movies, which I understand. For example, he loves The Search for Spock. And for me, I like parts of that movie, but overall, it is just a stepping stone yep, to the next to Voyage Home. Right. Yeah, yep, I agree. Like It is just it's filler. a transitional movie to The Voyage Home. Yeah. Which The Voyage Home is actually my number three, which is probably the least Star Trek-esque movie uh-huh. out of all of them. Yeah. It's pretty fun, though. And like, but yeah. I'm so in love with it. Right, right. And that I mean, that's in my upper half because I just love that movie. Yeah. That's the one I remember watching the most as a kid so, and really enjoying. I've heard that one described as, you know how some people who don't like Star Wars, they'll say, oh, oh I like the one with the little bears. Right. And it's Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard people say, oh, I like the one with the whales. Yeah. That's a fair comparison. I, I do too. I love the space whales. That movie is always going to stand out to me because I remember – I'm almost going to love it because I remember watching it and hearing the whales and them going, what's that? And me going, it's are those whale. whales? <laughs> and then Spot going, it's whales. And me going, oh my god, they're going to go back in time and get whales. <laughs> That's too funny. And then they did it. It was like, wouldn't it be crazy like, if – Exactly. Crazy. Me thinking like, oh, that'd be crazy. They're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, my God, they did it. <laughs> Made a whole movie about going back and stealing the whales. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Science Fictionary Podcast. Make sure you join us later this week to catch the second half of our Pillars of Sci-Fi in the Literature category episode. You can catch the first half of that. Um, it, it should you know is already up. So be sure to catch that, listen to that, and second half be later this week. Uh, but until next time, Marisha, where can people find you? You can find me on um, the internet at princessesandpadawans.com. I am princesses underscore padawans. No, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans on Instagram. And I'm P Padawans on Twitter. All right, David, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter complaining about my local school system at stay <laughs> underscore creative DD and on my YouTube channel doing podcasts about all sorts of nerdy things at creative DD. Awesome. You can also catch David. Uh, David has an article, a new article up on the sciencefictionary.com about Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, he does. It is an apology the of the Ranger of Rangers. Class. All right. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show every week, Coruscant Radio Underground, where we talk about all things Star Wars. And you can find me at thesciencefictionary.com. You can drop us a line at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com. Until next week, may the force be with you.